Hello there and welcome to Hell, an English language FC St. Pauli podcast. My name is Luke and I'm joined as always by my co-host Trev, but this week we'll also be joined by my good friend Gunnar, who's here to lend some German credibility to this week's episode. So welcome Gunnar, uh, why don't you start off just by telling Trev a bit about yourself and you know how you became involved with the club. Yeah, so I'm from Hamburg, I grew up here, I've uh, been away a little while and then come back and for me it was always it was always just Sao Paulo. My, I remember my dad took me to two Haas Foul games when I was like 10 or so and all this just like going all the way up to Stellingen and this march from the from the train station to the stadium it's it's just not it like it's so far away and like I said I've been abroad a while and then I come back moved to like Shanze, San Pauli area, somewhere like that. And then I I proper got into San Pauli. I mean, there was always San Pauli growing up, but then I started going to like more games than I used to before. And since like, yeah, I would say like two seasons, I try and go to as many games as I can. I've made it like a priority. Normally I was always like, I'm working nights and late and weekends. And it was always just an excuse not to go to games. And now I'm like, if I have an hour between the game and having to go to work, I'll do it. Like, so, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's uh, it's nice having made the club a priority in my life and uh, meet, meeting a lot of good people through it as well. And, I mean, we all know the football isn't always great, but that's not why all of us go, I think, uh, to St. Pauli. There's enough other reasons. So what made you change? What made you change the parties? What made you flip the parties? I mean, I've been into English football a lot and that was mostly then for me like on TV watching football and for me it was yeah it was mostly the reason wanting to go to more games I've I've gone to some like lower lower league games like on a Sunday morning and and watched a couple of these and get a sausage and a beer and just watching football and at some point I was like why don't I just like start going to some Pauli games more often again so uh, yeah it's nice I'm enjoying it yeah, you meet some good people as well. Hundred percent. Yeah. Is that where you guys met? Is that where you, you guys met? Uh, was it or was it through the kind-ish? I think. I, I mean, it is through through. I work in an Irish bar. I'm not gonna say which one, but like we met in the pub. But I think we, me and Luke, we know some of the same people or knew some of the same people uh, before, and at some point just uh, got chatting through a St. Pauli connection as well, and here we are. Of course, I initially thought he was from the same neck of the woods as, as me, purely <laughs> going off of the accent. Uh, you can hear a little bit of German in there that's just giving you away, though. It's almost perfect. So if like, uh, I've but... had half a beer now. If I finish this, then <laughs> the German might completely go out of the accent, but we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> it's a fairly thick Oma accent. <laughs> yeah, it's very... It's progressively going to be one English guy and two Irish guys by the end of this. It's uh, which isn't a bad thing, I guess. <laughs> Good to have you. Another another voice, another uh, voice of reason, uh, and of course from the Hamburg perspective. So welcome, uh, and to everyone else, welcome. This is our winter, mid winter, I suppose, episode that we promised. Um, we've been waiting for something to talk about. Obviously, there's been some things happening recently uh, and we wanted to jump on uh, Luke and I uh, and then we thought right let's get another perspective on this as well hence Gunnar so thanks for introducing yourself sorry to throw you under the spotlight just like that <laughs> it's just to get it out of the way uh, nice and easy so Luke 
What's going on, man? So there's been a, a lot going on. There's plenty to talk about. Primarily, Timo getting sacked, which has not been a, a popular decision, just from the people I've been speaking to, from checking online. Um, not a lot of people expected it, and a lot of the blame for the poor start of the season is being laid at the transfer policy, which is, you know, those decisions are made by Bonaman. Um, so he's getting a lot of heat for this because he was a very popular manager, Timo, with the players and the fans. Um, so a, a tough decision to make, and it'll be really interesting to see how this all plays out. What do you guys think? Were, were you surprised or did you sort of see this coming? Good, now you can take this one first. I'll tell you, I... <laughs> yeah, I was definitely surprised. As you know, 6th of December, Nick, St. Nicholas Day here uh, in Germany, and I wake up and Timo's gone. Like That's a present if I've ever seen one. Uh, didn't see that coming, not not at all. And like you say, obviously fans are disappointed. Like Timo's been in the club for, for a long, long time. I think like I've read so many opinion pieces now, it's like some 17, 20 years, something like that. As a player first, uh, youth coach, and now obviously the manager. Um, I'm also not happy about it, but I, I think we're going to get onto that. Like, if you try and see it from like a born man and football point of view and all that, I think like I can find explanations for it. It's, yeah. it's just all these explanations have like born man as a central figure in it as well as Timo. Yeah. Um, it's just in from like the public view and how how like how the club itself like wrote their statement uh, about Schola being sacked. There's he's he's getting the, the the sole blame for it. You know, it's just like it's Timo. Timo is responsible for us not winning more away games and not making players better and all this. But like like you have alluded to, Luke, like all the transfers, the players that we got in mightn't have been up to the standard that we probably thought before the season started. Yeah, it's, he seems to have been thrown under the bus here, Shula, which is obviously going to be unpopular with, with fans because of you know how much credibility he's built up at the club. Um, so it's a curious decision, honestly. It's a it's a ballsy one. You have to give them that. Um, whether they whether they think that they're actually doing this for sporting reasons, which they mentioned on multiple occasions in that that press release for a sacking, or whether they're just you know covering their own arse and being like, "Fuck, someone's got to take the blame for us having 17 points from 17 games," and it sure as fuck isn't going to be me because I want to keep my mm. job. So let's just chuck Shula under the bus and uh, get a new manager in. And if it all goes tits up, well, we'll lose our jobs anyway. If it gets turned around, we look like geniuses. Mm. Yeah, I, th I think um, football can be quite ruthless sometimes, right? There's a lot of emotion in there. I think if it was any other manager who hadn't served with the club so long, so maybe just been with the club three, four years, it'd been, hey, this guy needs to go. Uh, but Schultz had such a strong rapport with the team that that bought him a bit more time. That's probably why people are a bit more uh, lenient towards him. If you just look at it from a transactional point of view, so he's been paid to dry, guide this team of players. So it, it, yes, it's not as good a crop of players, but it is a team of players who are 
good players. They're not shit. That he's not dealing with like a third mm. tier, fourth tier players. He, he does have a good squad when you look at it, for like for like across the rest of the league, uh, and to come away with those kind of results, it's not good enough, right? <laughs> and I think we can all agree to that. But I think people, because of Schultz's connection to the club and the rapport he has, and the feel, like because football is about feelings too, and emotion, uh, confidence. That could have bought him another five or six or seven games or something, but then I think that's when we'd have expected the hammer to be to be dropped. Um, so I think it came a bit earlier than we expected. But if things had carried on as they were going, so one point per game kind of ratio with the cropper players, then yeah, it would have been okay. Sorry, you've you've used up your goodwill as well as uh, not got the results. But it just it just. Mm. Are we setting ourselves on the wrong track as well? Because the new transfers that are coming in, which we'll get to in a second, they're not the new manager's choices again, right? So these are being selected, the two the, the strikers. The new managers had nothing to do with that by the looks of it, right? It's, it's again, Borderman or uh, the, the, the management team who have picked these players and then said, right, okay, Mr. Manager, come in, whoever you may be, and mold these players to do what we want, please. It's just setting ourselves up for disaster again. I th- I think that that was, I think that that would have always been the case, even under under Timo Schultz reign. I don't think he would have had final say in transfers. I'm sure he they would have wanted his input, but the the final decision about who we sign or and who we let go go of would have came down to to Bonaman. Um, that's the sort of structure of the club, where managers may come and go, but. Mm. Bonaman's overall sort of how he wants what direction he wants the club to move in that supersedes everything um so his vision is which seems to be you know get young players in develop them hopefully make a profit and if we we get promoted then then happy days um but the I just want to mention that the reasons that they sacked Timo or the reasons that they give gave for sacking Timo in that, that press conference. Um, so they mentioned that there's a weakness away from home, which is clear, uh, a lack of balance between defence and attack, a lack of player development and the inability to turn games around after going behind. So I think we can all agree that those are definitely problems this season, but whether or not those are Timo's fault. It's a completely different question. So if we take the first one, weakness away from home, can we blame that on Timo? Or is it just the fact that we have a very young squad? I think we're in the bottom three in terms of average age of squads in the Swede Bundesliga, or we're certainly at the lower end anyway. Is is losing away from home a symptom of having such a long, young squad that um, they can't handle that pressure or the game management that's required to to win away from home in this league. Can you lay that at Timo's feet? I don't know. You know, like this is one of the things when after the, the transfer window had closed, the, the club put out this this YouTube video with Bornemann and like, explaining why we bought, who we bought. And like one of the things that was mentioned there is like these these are young players. They need time. They need time to settle and to develop, obviously. And yes, they've they've had half a season, but like even in that interview, it came across like these players need time. And if that's if that's what you're going for, I I understand the whole thing. Like you're you are in the table where you are, and the club can't 
probably afford to go down. I totally get it. So if you're trying to protect that and the box stops with the manager, is like the the he's like the if you want to change something, that's the easiest person to get rid of and just like break yeah. something up. I, I totally understand that. But you can't, in my opinion, like explain it to like the fan base. It's like, here is what we're doing. We're buying these young players and they need time to develop what I've just said. And then like six months later, is that enough uh, for this crap players to like, like build a, like be a group? And like one of the things for me is not, yeah, we bought two strikers now, but I think it's a shame that we don't get to see Timo Schulz's idea that he would have had for these kind of strikers. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. definitely like diff- a different kind of striker coming in. And you guys have talked about it on the podcast for, I want to say, the last three or four episodes. We've all talked about it like online. It's like, oh, we needed a striker. We're not scoring enough goals. We need a different type of striker. And there is one now, or maybe even two. And like Timo doesn't get to show us like what he would have done with this kind of player and was it was obvious that that was what was missing so yeah it's it's these two sides i i kind of get like why they did it but for me this young crop of players just i they needed maybe a while longer yeah i can see that like and especially if you if we've talked about this before if you check the the underlying stats of of the season so far we are underperforming like the the underlying stats show that we should be up the top end you know or even for expected points even top of the league so is is that just because they need a little bit more time to sort of click and find their stride because i find it a bit of a joke for one of the reasons for sack and timo to be a lack of balance between defense and attack because it was Primarily Bonaman's decision to completely overhaul the attack and get rid of uh, Thierry and get rid of Bergstaller. So whose fault is it then? Of course there's an imbalance between defence and attack because most of our attack from last season are out the door now. And you've given... Yeah, but not just that. Half a see, it's not just the attack. It's I, I've looked it up before we came online. Like it's the defense as well. You you sold Lawrence or like let go Lawrence and and Sierrais. So your whole spine, like your center halves, your attack, Brooks, Delacure, like you said, they've left. So is six months enough to like bring them all together and have something start something completely different, you know, or something completely new? I don't think it is. I really think Timo can feel hard done by on that. If they, but the thing is, though, they've they've come out and said there's a, a longer term plan for the players. Uh, the team's young. The team needs to gel. The team needs to learn, etc. Uh, but he's not not expressing the same patience with the coaching and the management team. It just seems uh, a little bit Jekyll Heidi. See, I would have understood it all if they let Timo go and by now had appointed someone who had just got available and where you then think, okay, if we'll do it, let Timo go, then now we can get X. And then I'd get it. But we're here, training has started last week. They've been training for a week now. And still, I know the assistant coach has now been promoted, Herzler. But yeah, like if if they had someone lined up, I would have maybe understood it. But I'm I'm still looking at the club being like, okay, who's going to come in? Like, it's not a good look. It all seems like a bit of a, a bit of a mess right now, because as you said, if they already had someone lined up, then 
understandable like or if they know which direction they want to go but it all just seems a bit a bit slapdash or covering their own, their own arse from from all the criticism that's come the club's way yeah, it's a crucial time because if we don't start the second the second part of the season if we don't start it with a, like a couple of wins or something and we back into draws and losses mode it's going to be oh shit this story we we have to start strong otherwise we're going to be chasing our tails even more so we have to have to start strong so if we're not doing the correct correct preparation yeah. now because if we don't even have a manager there's not been any names linked there's no um will it happen before christmas i don't know do the agents and stuff take christmas holidays are they mind you that the Usually evil, so probably don't even observe Christmas or holidays, so perhaps not. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll get one just just before Christmas or just after Christmas, I don't know. So what time do they then have to learn about the players, to set up the tactics, set up the training, set up the the, the structure uh, to be able to go and get that win on the 20th of January or 21st, whenever it is. Oh no, that's the Bundesliga start date. The 28th of January is the first game against Nordenburg. Yeah, and on that, so what sort of state of the club do you think this new manager is walking into? Is this a good job to be taking in terms of the reception that they'll get from the fans, the the squad that they'll be inheriting? Because as we just mentioned, they, they are definitely underperforming. The squad is better than what they've shown this season um, already. So. It's an attractive proposition, right, to any manager because, a, I mean, the, the fans are awesome. Like, if even if it's as long as it's not somebody who's coming from Hansa Rostock or something, they'll be well received and they'll get the support of the fans. Yes, Timo Schulz is gone, but I, th- I think and I assume and I hope uh, that the fans will get behind them from the beginning. There's not going to be any ill taste towards them. It's not their fault. It's Bernerman, right? Uh, and the squad that he's inheriting is good. Like, it's not. The best, the best, the lacking confidence, the lacking cohesion, the lacking a game plan. But if you can give them that, they'll be able to deliver, no problem. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Trafter. Um, I think the team is better than the table shows. And hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I was kind of going back on myself a little bit there. Now that a bit of time has passed and the squad had time, to like get their head around like Timo not being there anymore. Maybe it's better a, a new manager didn't come in straight away while like emotions were still high and that you know. So maybe that's yeah. that settled a bit. I think from even from a fan's point of view, uh, as long as you don't get someone who's I don't know who's got previous with like stupid things that that they've said or whatever, then the manager is definitely going to get their support uh, of the fans and of the team as well. It's. I think first home game back, it's it's more Bornemann and, and Göttlich that could be in <laughs> for for some kind of surprise, you know? They, they might want to stay away for that game, the first couple of games, right? Just to let the focus be on, on the pitch, not on Bornemann, because if it creates a toxic atmosphere, even if it's towards Bornemann mm. and Göttlich, right? Uh, and it it passes on to the players or something, you don't want the distraction. If I was them, I'd stay yeah, away. Yeah, it's not something you need on match day. Yeah. No, no, they should stay mm. away for that. Sure. I don't know which managers are available or, or what kind of caliber of manager we could attract in Germany or whether it'd be a, a foreign manager. I'm not sure. I assume it'd be a German manager, but they will know Sankt Pauli. They know the, the, the strength and the traditions and the values of the club. Uh, 
the fan base, I mean, they fill the Milan tour 99.7% of the time, uh, right? So they know there's going to be a strong uh, representation there. So it's a, it's a great job to come into for any manager who's available. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and a, a, f- a few wins after the restart and then everything's changed. You know, the, the fans are suddenly happy. The coach seems like a saviour from coming in out of nowhere. Um, but the, I just can't help but thinking that if Timo was given some time, he would have been able to turn it around. So if a new manager comes in and he wins his first three on the trot and everyone's like, oh, you know, all those people bitching about about this decision for letting Timo go. Look, it was clearly the right decision because we've won three or four on the bounce. But I have faith that Timo could do that himself, especially if we bring in reinforcements in January, which we'll we'll get on to. There's already been some some moves made. Um so I just can't help but feel sorry for him. You know, he's yeah. He's he's built up such a such a good squad here and then well, he built up such a good squad last year and then it all sort of got dismantled. Um, and then it's a tough job to to rebuild that with young players that were brought in by somebody else. And then whenever they don't perform, because why would they? They've never proven that they can do it at that level before. Then all of a sudden you get the finger pointed at you saying, oh, you haven't developed them enough. I mean, this whole, the whole gamble in the summer was to let go of all those strikers, um, Bergstella, Ditchin, Matanovic, or no, I keep on saying Matanovic, I mean Mackinock. Mackinock. And, <laughs> and But the, the gamble was that they hoped that Matanovic then would come to the four. It was his time. He would fill that gap and score the, the goals that we need. And it just didn't happen. And because it didn't happen, rather than you know, Bonaman thinking, oh, maybe that was the wrong decision. And this young kid clearly isn't going to be able to fill the boots of a veteran like Borgstalla. Then, oh, okay, rather than admit that I fucked up, let's just uh, blame it all on Shula and get a new man in. Yeah. Wouldn't it be a sick, twisted joke if Schultz ends up being the new manager and it's just a jolt to the system? Just like, uh, right, okay. <laughs> Test, test to see how much he's loved. And <laughs> I don't know, just try to think. That would be sick and twisted. I reckon give the job to Bonaman, see how, see how well he <laughs> yeah, does. Right. Let's, they're let's, his fucking players. Let, let, let him see if uh, how that strike force, does, strike force does. Let's see um, how, how much he can develop the players. Because if he's, the, he's apparently he's the brains behind the operation, so let's fucking see it. Do you know, do you know what it is for me, though? Schultz would have been someone who like if if you kept a hold of him and you're like okay we're we're trying all through the club to be like continuous to have some continuity and like to he would have been someone like like in freiburg i think it is with the finke um no i mean strike i mean uh strike like someone who can stay at the club for like 10 15 years that's that's someone timo is someone that i could have seen like staying for that long. Now you get someone in, he's going to be there for two, three years until we're in the same position as we are now. And then you get the next one in and then you get the next one in. This is kind of, that's football. It's fine. But whereas with Timo, I think it could have been different. This is the one thing where it's like, 
piss, pisses me off a lot because it just could mm. have been different. It could have been this, what people talk about when they like think of Sao Paulo. It's like, ah, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's this, you know, it's like, this is Sao Paulo. And like, and then someone like him, you suck like that. It's just, it, lets, it leaves a bit bad taste just. It's a missed opportunity almost to start a bit of like a, I don't know, a, a dynasty manager who's yeah. who's loved by everyone at the club and sort of, you know, the vision of the club is his. But that might have been a threat to to Bonaman, you know, because if, if everybody loves Timo and nobody wants to, to lay the blame at his feet, then who are they going to look to? Bonaman. So you might just got to fucking off him before. But if it had worked, this is very cynical. Then why would you have to blame anyone? You know, this is the thing. Like, if it had worked, yeah. you wouldn't have to blame Bornemann. You know, then everything would have been all right. Like, it's, it's this, mm. like, yeah. yeah, don't know. So I think we can all agree that it was not a, happy. Not happy. It was a <laughs> tough decision. Yeah, Bornemann's a gobshite. Is that what you're saying? Ah, nah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough. It's a tough. I would. I, I don't envy him. I don't envy him at all, right? It's a tough spot to be in because he needs to think about it from the business aspect and the operational side of the club, uh, whilst factoring in the, the the sentimental, emotional values too. So I don't envy him. That's the decision he came to. So we just have to support it, get on with it, and hope that it works. If it doesn't, then uh, you know people will be looking to him and be like, "Hey, why are you making such bad decisions? We need to replace you." <laughs> um, but it's it's not it's not an easy business, that's for sure. I guess if if we want to play devil's advocate or to try and think of reasons why this might be the the right decision, you could point to the fact that results haven't been good since probably all the way back in in February. So last season, whenever we started to fucking hit the skids, and at that point we did have the same squad from last year, so it might just be that it was downward trending and they felt that Timo had taken the team as far as he could. Um, all those usual cliches that you throw out there whenever you're sacking a manager. But It's a very good point, actually, because Borgstaller went on ice the second part of last season, didn't he? Chire went away to the Africa Cup of Nations, came back and he was a shadow of himself. Uh, so, yeah, maybe that's a good point. Uh, it wasn't all to do with just this crop of players. Um, so that could, that could have mm. been the deciding factor, actually, looking beyond just the start of the season. I mean, you could argue the club could have known that Burkstar has maybe passed it and Kiri was always going to go to the African Cup of Nations and come back somewhat tired. And you could have planned ahead for that. But I totally get it. It's like I said before, the club can't afford to go down. And if if uh, Bornemann and Gutlich have come to the conclusion that they have to do something now, and I don't think they're going to get like the typical like fireman uh manager in i think it's gonna be that they'll be looking for something like long term if it works out in the end we're gonna have to see well plans are already being lined up and actioned in preparation for the rook ronda so the second part of the season with a signing of you guessed it, a striker uh we needed one um will he be a goal scorer we'll soon find out but mauriches the brazilian dude I asked my Brazilian friend how to say it. So, Mauricius Roque Jr. So, very sexy, huh? Very good. I'm impressed. Um, yeah, whether I'm impressed with Mauricius or not is a different matter. Banging. How about that for a segue? Um, because he's had 
a bit of a, a bit of a journeyman career. He's been here, there, and everywhere. He's played in Poland, Bulgaria, South Korea, Portugal, his native Brazil, um, China. Been all over the shop, and he hasn't really pulled up trees anywhere. I might live to regret saying this, but the man hasn't scored more than he hasn't scored double figures uh, in a season in his entire career. So if we're looking at a prolific goal scorer, this might not be our man. Um, but what we can expect from him is good aerial ability. He is good in the air. So those uh, all those crosses that were getting swung into the box by Paka and Saliakas <laughs> yeah. that were just fruitless in the first half of the season, they might be finding the big head of Marijas, um and we could be onto something there. But his goal scoring record isn't fantastic, so we'll just have to wait and see. And there isn't much pedigree, so <laughs> fuck knows if he can do it in the yeah, Sweden Bundesliga. It's, uh, it's all a bit of a mystery. Four and assisted four in the last sixteen in Poland. So I mean that's a goal contribution every other game. Um, but as you say, he's not tried and tested in the the Zweites Bundesliga or the Zweites Bundesliga. I thought we were gonna go out and get somebody who we know, like a guarantee, you know, someone that you can be assured, unless they get injured, uh, is going to go out and do the business. But this seems like another risk. I mean, I was I was kind of hoping he wouldn't be the only one that we'd sign. And then Luke told me yesterday he got the number nine shirt. So, <laughs> yes. In that yes. regard, supposed to be the main man up there. It's it's funny. It's he's. I, I looked him up on, on YouTube. The first video I seen was like from four years ago. I think that was before he tore his ACL celebrating a goal with a backflip. Oh, so it's probably a changed player now. Uh, then I've seen some highlights from his last stop in uh, Poland. Um, yeah, like like you guys have already said, good in the air. He's, he's somewhat what I, I thought what Amanito was going to be. Like when we first signed Amanito, just from like his body type and that, I was thinking this is the this is kind of like the player that I thought we were going to get there. Um but I think it's exactly what we need, the, the, the so-called Zielstürmer, someone that you can, like Luke said, you can pump the balls into the box with crosses, Paka and, and Manos. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him play, but I've also seen 45 games in Poland and nine goals, I think he scored. And yeah, worries me a little bit. Yeah, so if, you, if you're just purely looking at the profile of the player, you would say, okay, that's everything we need. He's good in the air. Um, he's not exactly slow. His hold-up play is good, so he can be a target man and bring other other players into into the fold and attack. But then you look at his goal contributions and other such stats, and it's just, especially in the the leagues that he's doing it in, it, it, are we asking too much of him? And the other thing that worries me is, as you already touched on, the fact that he is given the number nine jersey. That tells me that he's going to be our marquee striker signing of this window. Um, before he signed, we signed another fellow, uh, Elias Saad. Uh, but he it was his first professional contract. So I don't think he's going to be one that will walk straight into the first team. I think that's more one for the future. He's a young lad, only, only 22 years of age. So it seems like um, the Brazilian Moriz is is the one that we're really going to be hanging our hat on for the 
the second half of this season. Yeah. And there's just looking at where he's played and what he's done in those leagues, there's not a lot to fill you with confidence about it. Um hopefully I really hope I'm wrong. Um but as you said, you'd just be hoping with that we would get someone in with a, a bit of a better pedigree in this league. Um sort of more of a, a sure thing than what we're actually getting. Did you see how much Moridesh cost? Um, I didn't know, but I, I saw that his market value on transfer market was around about 650k. Yeah, I just um, checked transfer market again, and there's now a fee of 500,000 euros. So we paid money for him, uh, and that's more than I expected for someone who is a gamble. Yeah, he's also had some big injuries, but like you mentioned, the one where he tried to backflip mm. and fucked his cruciate or something, was it? Or he done his knee anyway, he was out for 13 months. But he also had a field medical somewhere along the way as well, which could be a bit risky. Um, there were times where he went on loan and didn't really feature much, so there were sort of rumours then that he might have been had some... Um, sort of ongoing injury problems. So it's just, it's a difficult one because we don't really know what we're getting here. This is the thing. He's, he's kind of like the, the great unknown because we are like, I can watch as many videos as I want of him on, on, on YouTube, like, but it's not going to tell me how he's going to fit in with us or like how, how good he actually is. You can only hope that our scouting department have done their homework and, that that is a player that they've looked at for a while now and now pulled the trigger, especially paying half a million euro for him. Uh, yeah, like I say, you can only hope that that he was always kind of like the plan, the type of player that we were uh, we were gonna get, and not not that we missed out on target one and two, and he was he was what we were left with, you know. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Uh, as you say, need to trust the team. If that's what we wanted and we're willing to pay out, go out and pay money for him, then we must assume that he's, he's what we needed. So let's see. If he comes and scores two or three goals in the first three, four, five games, then that's a damn sight better than we've had returned from our other striking options. So bring it on. I mean, he only has to score a, a few goals and then he's right up there. <laughs> to get the golden boot for St. Pauli this year but his top goal scores on three or four right now so yeah I think I think Eggestein's on five is it because he got the two on the last day oh yeah that's right but I mean the team does create chances so yes if if you have a, a striker who's confident then um, it wouldn't be a bad team to be coming into I would say um, especially yeah. someone like him who 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 thrives on on aerial balls into the box. If you're you have a Saliakas and Paki either side, you'd be you'd be delighted. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say we're not delighted by uh, the acquisition. It doesn't feel it, but you know, uh, we trust and we'll reserve judgment until three, four, five games in. I suppose. Yeah, I was hoping that uh, Bonaman and Godlick would, would see the backlash from 
their decision to sack Tebow and be like, all right, okay, well, we'll treat them to a big, fat, juicy striker transfer and someone who's going to easily bang in 20 a season. <laughs> a Brazilian striker as a, as a sexy appeal to it as well. Yeah, That's it was right, yeah. He's also, um, we, we haven't even mentioned yet, there's a bit of controversy surrounding him. We're not entirely sure whether or not he's he's wanted by the police in Brazil, which isn't exactly oh, ideal. God. <laughs> did you did you hear this, Gunnar? No, I I I did read that. I think it was the uh, Melantone blog. Um, they they've kind of like found out. I think it's Portuguese, like it's Brazilian, but in Portuguese press reports um, saying that he didn't pay his child support or something, and then. He was wanted by the police and then he wasn't anymore. And now it's unclear if that is still like current or if, or if it's been resolved. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. Okay, cool. Guilty until proven innocent, right? <laughs> oh no, it's the other way around. Other way around. <laughs> I thought you were joking. <laughs> I was, I was, I was joking. Right, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice recovery. We, we, do ha- we do have some good news over the winter, though, right? I mean, we have had some good representation um, in the world of football. Yeah, I'm, I assume you're talking about uh, Jacko at the World Cup. Oh, oh man, what a delight. Phenomenal, so good. Um, yeah. Not just his individual performances, but Australia getting out of that group and then Coming up against Argentina and Messi and really holding their own, nearly snatching an equaliser right yeah. at the death. It was just phenomenal. They Australia took goals of both uh, finalists now. So, I mean, not yeah. bad. Not bad. Australia are the only team to have played against France and Argentina, right? Scored against them both, yeah. Yeah, they can take credit out of that. And uh, Jackson Irvine in particular played very well against both. Uh, and Messi in his 1,000th game, he absolutely smashed Lautaro Martinez at one point. Uh, so, you know, he's, I'm sure he's got a story or two to tell from from those games. So we'll have to chat to him at some point, eh? Yeah, sounds like a plan. Um, <laughs> one thing I did notice about his performances was that second half against Denmark and then in the Argentina match, he played mm. very far forward, almost oh, yeah. as a second striker, which is something we haven't really seen too often for St. Pauli, but he put in a good account for himself in that position. That's, that's odd, though, because I see him more of a defensive, combative, defensive midfielder. Like, How do you guys see him? It's hard, it's, hard, it's hard to pigeonhole Jackson. Yeah, but I 100% agree that he does his best work uh, in a deeper line position. I think um, as a six or an eight, preferably as a six. But this season, I guess he's been playing, you know, both roles. Um, But yeah, I'd far rather see him breaking up play than uh, playing off the striker. But I guess they just wanted someone who was extremely diligent in their pressing um, to help them out. And it, 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 it did work to an extent. I mean, he might not be the biggest goal thread up there but um, they, if you're a centre back and Jacko's playing opposite you he's not going to give you a second on the ball he's going to chase after everything 
Yeah, right. Gunner, did you did you have a preference? More attacking, more defensive, or a hybrid kind of box-to-box? I agree with you both. I see him more uh, as like a defensive eight or, or a number six. But I have to say, if Sampaoli played Jacko last 15 minutes up top just off uh, Marides, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think that get the Milan Tour going 100%. It, it'll at least get me going, I can tell you that. <laughs> can you imagine? Like same, same role he played there for, for Australia and like you need a goal and he, like... He gets one. Oh man, that that would have been fantastic. And like I said, in at the Milan tour too, like same same setup there, just off the striker, that'd be fantastic. I'd I'd watch that for like the last fifty minutes when we need a goal. Right. Okay. New manager, take note. Uh, whoever you may be, <laughs> just don't play Medic up top for the love of God. Um, yeah, I was just about to say as much as we're we're mourning the. The stacking of Timo. Um, he did play manage up front for the last 10 minutes, but I have been reliably yeah. informed that he's actually decent up front and um, he did used to play that position whenever he was he was younger, so there, there might be something to that. Okay, that's fair enough, because I thought that was Timo saying to the higher-ups here, look at me, I need a striker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, if he's played there, if he's played there in, in in the past, then fair enough. In the lower leagues, though, he played there in the lower leagues. Okay, so during mm. his Wiesbaden times, I think it was or something. Yeah, okay. or even as a kid or something. Yeah, I don't think he's played there for a while. Um, yeah, yeah, as a kid, I played there when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, with Mauricius coming in, we already have five strikers. Who do we chop? Who do we? Because we don't need six strikers in the squad. Who would you be chopping right about now? It's a difficult one. Um, I guess it'd be tough to get rid of Dashno Egerstein just because they're still new to the club. They're still young. Um, we know Matanovic is going to be gone at the end of the season. Um, who does that leave, really? We're just looking at... Otto, Amanido, Otto. Amanido. Yeah. I'd be, yeah. See, I'd be worried for, for a couple of them. Um, maybe Amanido. Although towards the, towards the end of the the first half of that season, he was getting more and more, game time. So who knows? Yes. But as you said, someone's going to have to make way. There's. There's too many strikers, and I'm sure they won't be happy. But if they wanted to maintain their place in in the squad, then they should have scored more goals. Let's be perfectly honest. Wow, um, Luke is all about business. Bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> I think there's uh, players like Carlo Bucalfa who are sort of on the fringes yeah. might have to be a bit concerned. I know he would no more be a ten than an out and out striker, but I mean, players like Egerstein or even Aminiedo could drop into those positions and probably do a better better job than Carlo Bucafa. So um, someone's got to make way. Yeah, it depends sure. a little bit as well what the new manager is going to play for a system. If he plays two strikers up top and Matanovic's loan finishes, then you're already looking like how can you really afford to let one of the strikers go? I know they haven't been all firing, but... I like personally, Amanito. 
I I so want him to just get a goal. Eh? He he had a few chances there just before the break. Um, in in the last couple of games before the break, and I I'm I'm willing him to get a goal, but it's just not happening. And you, it's with a couple of them where you just think if they could just like get one goal or get one off their arse or whatever, just into the back of the net somehow, then mm. it'll make it a bit easier for for them. But like I say, if if the new manager plays two up top, then you probably wouldn't straight away like get rid of players like like we said before, Eggestein and well someone else they they just signed this season yeah know? and if you if you're then going with what we said at the start you're trying to have a long-term project give these players time then we can't already be talking about getting rid of them in my opinion yeah okay i guess no you're just right yeah mm. it depends on what the um player budget is <laughs> mm. of course so mariches has to pay child support man we we need to factor that in <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's a good thing if he, they need to give that man a goal bonus um, so yeah, that right. if, if he wants to not go to prison he has to score a few goals that, that's the way to incentivize him like average Joe I know I'm jumping sorry I'm ju- I know I'm jumping back and forth a little bit but like one of the things that I just remembered from the Bournemouth YouTube video that they put out after the first transfer window closed is that he said they tried to save a bit of the funds because this transfer window now during the winter is one of the longest that we've ever had. And they didn't want to spend all the budget that they had in the summer and then not be able to react to whatever happened to during the first half of the season. So in that regard, it probably explains why we have money to spend on players now and why we can afford spend half a mil on more coming in. Because they've planned ahead for it. Yeah. Good thinking. Still, a, cool. I think he, if I was Timo, that would piss me the fuck off because you're like. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. You're being told here, we're spending half the budget and then you'll get the other half in winter so we're, we can react and then you're not there anymore. Yeah, that's a bit of a kick in the nuts. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what sort of statement Timo comes out with because it's. Yeah. It's been ages since since uh, it got announced, and we still haven't heard anything. Was he ever very chatty, anyway? No, he's from us, Friesland. They're yeah, right, not he's that quite, chatty, anyway. Quite, quite conservative, and reserved, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so any other business, or is that is that it for today's pod? Yeah, in summary, uh, we obviously want the best for the team. Duh, uh, and. A little bit crestfallen, I suppose, is the word to describe it. But we'll see. Um, it's signing of a striker, supposed to be the statement, number nine. Will he get goals? Time will tell. I'm really looking forward to the pre-seasons. I can't remember exactly when they start, but they start very, very soon. After the Benny Dorn camp, I think. Yeah, lads on tour. Lad, lads on tour. Are we going? <laughs> Gonna go smash the shit out of Benidorm. Yeah, fuck, fucking Benidorm. Let's have it, have it large. But I mean, ugh, I mean, a day in the life of a Saint Pauli fan, right? Yeah, never a dull moment, is there? Um, even in the winter break, they're doing enough to keep us busy, which is good. Uh, but yeah, if there's any major news, maybe uh, if we eventually get an actual fucking manager. 
then we might record another one before before the second half of the season gets up and running. But otherwise, we'll um, yeah, we'll chat to you for the next match when we are away to fuck me. Someone help me out in the league, Nuremberg. What do you mean the preseasons? Nuremberg away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Nuremberg away, and then at home to Hanover. So yeah, um, we might squeeze in another one before that, just to to chat about whatever new man comes through the door. Um, otherwise, we'll we'll record a podcast and look at look ahead to the Nuremberg away match. Awesome. Well, have a good holidays, people. Uh, try and detox and de-stress, and look forward to the complete opposite of the season we've just had in the first half because that's coming <laughs> positive vibes 51 points and promotion yeah exactly <laughs> believe that would be good <laughs> all right guys nice chat news and uh talk to you all next time thanks for having me on anytime anytime yeah cool it's good to have you man <laughs>